You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel and Scott Capel, episode number 28. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Today, I want to do something a little different. I would like to talk about relationships, and I have invited my husband, Scott, to join me. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing well. All right. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. What I'd like to try to do is talk about relationships um, for veterinarians and veterinary professionals out there and how somebody that's not a veterinarian and that has had to live with a veterinarian for a lot of years uh, deals with the problems that we have. It's all about fun and games. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely is. So Scott and I have been married for 30 plus years and we basically got married right after I graduated from veterinary school. Pretty much. Yeah, so... um, He's been married to a veterinarian for 30, over just yeah, over 30 years. Yeah, 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 that's right. So if anybody knows a lot about this profession, it's him. And if anybody knows a lot about the problems that we face, it's him. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this today. Let's start. Tell me what it's like to be married to a veterinarian. <laughs> What's your perspective? Well, uh, I, I guess sometimes I'm in the bleachers a lot of times watching and observing uh, what's happening on the field, I'll, I'll use the old uh, football analogy. Uh, it seems to work out okay. I know that uh, Julie has been busy and very active and very passionate about her um, work in in the veterinary world. And there's been times where I actually have been asked to come out on the field and, and help, you know, make a play, so to speak. And in the early days where Julie was really taking care of emergency calls and things like that, and had to go in the middle of the night. There were times where I'd actually have to go with her uh, to the clinic. A lot of things have changed since then. Yeah, back in the old days when back we had to old, take our right, own emergencies. Yeah, right, so. exactly. That was horrible. So she would assess you know, how difficult she perceived the emergency to be, and if it might need uh, some assistance with holding a dog or whatever, I would go in. Uh, there were other times where she went alone. Uh, these days, though, uh, with... Uh, current medicine and practices and, and things, uh, not a lot of emergencies at the last minute, although there have been some. Uh, I, I think I'm more in the, uh, in the bleachers now, um, watching and observing. And I think a lot of times I am a sounding board, uh, particularly on days where there are a little bit of challenges come along that just needs to kind of have a, somebody to, to listen. So tell um, the audience what it is that you do so they have some sort of perspective of what kind of brain you have. What kind of brain I have? <laughs> well, you know, we've okay. talked on the padca- podcast before about personality profiling, okay. and I've said that I'm a D and an I, right. and you're a C, a very high C, okay. as far as I can tell on the disc. Well, I am I am detailed-oriented. I, I like to t- pay attention to a lot of details. For those of you who are interested in, in Myers-Briggs and, and know that uh, way of viewing personalities. Uh, I am an ISTJ, and uh, I consider myself more of an introvert than an extrovert, although when necessary, I can uh, put on the uh, extrovert mask. I guess you could call it that. So we're ba- we're kind of opposites. Pretty much. In, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. Right. He's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. 
Um, I'm a feeler. He's a thinker. Right. So if you're interested in Myers-Briggs, and we talked about it before on the podcast with our daughter, Bridget, and we're going to talk about it again, it just kind of gives you a framework for what type of people we are and what kind of challenges we might face based on right. the fact that we're so opposite. Well, in fact, before we even started the podcast, we were doing some discussions about different things and taking notes and getting some ideas. And one of the things that I've learned over the many years of not only being married to Julie, but also with the friends and that I've met at, at work, that I am a, an implementer. I can create and come up with ideas, but that's not necessarily where my talents are. Uh, you give me an idea, and I can figure out how to uh, make it work and implement it. And It's the how versus the what. So let's just talk a little bit about what it's like to be married to a vet, and then maybe we'll go through some stories and challenges that we've been through in the past. Maybe that'll help some younger couples that are just starting out or people that aren't married yet that might need to get a little bit of advice on how to, you know, navigate some of these challenges that we have as veterinarians working and veterinary technicians. So what do you think are some of the challenges that you've seen because of the profession? You know, what, what unique things did you not expect? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I grew up in a family that understood medicine. Uh, both my parents were in the me- medicine, uh, medical field. And I was familiar with, with the challenges that my dad had as a surgeon at, at that particular time, back many years ago, being called up and, and having to go into the hospital to take care of emergencies. And just like uh, what we've seen with veterinary medicine, um, human medicine has is, is gone in that direction, too, where you have specialties, particularly with uh, emergency medicine. So I think I came into the relationship with uh, Julie and her being a veterinarian at a bit of an advantage because I understood what practicing medicine, whether it was human or veterinary, uh, you still had to be patient and, and realize that sometimes your time is not necessarily your own. You're there to help clients and patients in times where they are desperate and in great need. And that might mean that some of your personal plans have to be put on hold and, and postponed and, and you have to be comfortable with maintaining that type of flexibility. And did that happen? Like, what, can you remember circum, certain circumstances where you can think back to things that were disrupted because of the job? Well, I can't come up with one right off the top of my head, but I do remember that there were instances where we had, particularly with maybe having a dinner plans with just me and you or with the kids or with your family here, that things had to be postponed. In other words, we might go and have dinner and you would show up a little bit later. And how, how do you think somebody should handle that or look at that? Is that something that would upset you as a spouse of a veterinarian if, let's say, I didn't get home on time, which was a a real problem for sure? Yeah, no. Um, I think there have been times where I had an expectation that uh, you would be home at a certain time and and that wasn't met. But I think that comes with the territory. I think knowing that there's a, uh, you have to have a broader appreciation of, of knowing that things are just not necessarily always going to work out. In other words, 
you and I may have had plans for dinner at six o'clock, but wow, you had an emergency come in at the at eleventh hour or whenever, and and you had to take care of it. And well, I that that actually, and now that I think about it, there was a time where I met you at a restaurant uh, just a few miles from where we live, and I was already there holding the table, and I got a text message, and you said you <laughs> had an emergency. So I, I I I wasn't upset. I just knew that that's on particular days. I can anticipate that you might have, particularly on your surgery days back in the in the past, you would have days where you would get out to seven or eight o'clock. I think you learned to to appreciate that and 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 be patient and navigate through it. So the getting home late from work or canceling dinner plans or getting late for dinner plans is kind of something that's to be expected. And you would tell spouses, just be ready for it. Right. I I think there's a, you're trying to seek balance or harmony. I think you've talked about some of that in in your other, your podcasts there. I I think it's important that you, you set some expectations both ways. Uh, There, there are boundaries on what you're going to, to work with or, 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 <laughs> or, or not. Um, I, I think that's uh, one of the things that uh, you have to, again, have some give and take on that. So if you were talking to a new veterinarian and their either future spouse or new spouse, whether it's a man or a woman that's married to the veterinarian, what would you tell the spouse to expect? What special things that they may ne- not necessarily expect if they were married to, you know, somebody that does what you do. The thought that I had, as far as you know, what I would quote unquote tell uh, the you know the spouses each other. I think I would start with asking a few questions. One is I'm going to assume that one of them is going to be a veterinarian, the other one is not, or a vet tech, or anybody right. that works in our profession. Okay, all right. Because even the receptionists don't always get out of work on time. Okay. I'm so just any, approaching it from the standpoint of in this particular field. Right. So, but well, assume it's a veterinarian because that's kind of what we're talking about today. Right. Again, I've got to sometimes take myself out of the picture because I think I started at a spot where I understood what you were going to be doing, or at least I was Somewhat. interpreting um, what you would be doing because of what my parents did and all the ups and downs and, and schedule changes. I will, I really would say that you're going to need to have some patience and it's going to be an ebb and flow and one veterinarian's lifestyle or approach and practice is going to be different than somebody else's. Again, you're looking at the different personalities that come into play and whether or not the veterinarian is an extrovert or an introvert. Uh, but I would start with making sure that, that you understand that you're going to need to have some patience and seek understanding and also have two-way communication on if you have a perception that such and such should be occurring and it's not, bring that up and and have a frank conversation about that. I think, go ahead. Go ahead. The, The thought that I had was is that if, if there is a, an event that's very important, uh, and hopefully it would be, if it's a, that big of an event, it's important for both, both of you, that you carve and out and protect that time. Maybe, as I like to say, have a, have a plan B that you have another 
vet tech or another veterinarian or whatever in in a ready position to, to cover it and if something popped up. Well, and I think some veterinarians think that that's not possible because some of them are in the employment of other people mm-hmm. and they're afraid to ask for time off or they're in, they feel guilty um, when they put it on another veterinarian. But I always encourage my associates to protect their home time. Sure. And I think that's something very important. And one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing now is to try to teach people that you can have a home life and a veterinary life. Right. And I think it, it's very important that if you're working for yourself and have other people working for you or you're working for others is to have, well, hopefully you're working in an environment where you're, you trust and have respect of the people with whom you're working. And if well, that, and if you don't, yeah. if you're not getting the respect that you need from the place that you're working and you've communicated, you may end up having to set some boundaries. Sure, absolutely. And either cut your schedule or cut your job and go right. somewhere else. Right, and those, those are... That, that's something that happened to me. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> and remember they know that the, well. they know the story because yeah. it's on my epic faili- oh, failure podcast. Okay. I talked about right. how I got fired from my first job. So, yeah, you And you were, remember that. I, You know, I, I really do. You were, you were most upset about that yeah, time. Yeah, it was kind of like a death. But... You but it turned out it. for the best, yes, right? Absolutely. So, what about the animal factor? Like, you were not <laughs> really an animal lover when we met. You, well, your mom was. Yes, and I. You had pets growing up, but what has been the unexpected things that have happened with the animals? Well, I like animals. I think the challenge that I have is living with animals, and so I've had to develop a tolerance for the variety of, of animals that, that that come into play here and. And visit and and sometimes stay for uh, longer periods of time than than I would really like. Like our eighteen and a half year old cat that we have right <laughs> well, now. Well, <laughs> poor Peter, he's uh, hanging in there. Yeah. But you know, but back going, you know, we started the podcast here with how long we've been married, and we started with a cat. Yes. And, yeah. And, we had uh, a cat before we got married, and that was. That came from a veterinary hospital. That right. was a stray kitten that we adopted, and and we've had multiple cats since, and right. we've had multiple dogs, and I've brought home all kinds of wildlife critters. I enjoy and, telling those stories with some of my peers that I work with about some of the interesting organisms that have entered our home from time to time and inhabited our our bathroom <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no we and that's interesting you should say that the the bathroom has become the uh the nursery, the nursery. The that's infirmary. a good way infirmary <laughs> yeah the we the one time that you had well we had a swan and a goose remember the swan we had to use a a baby pool yeah swimming pool outside swimming pool there yeah, to raise the baby that, swan right mm-hmm. the time that i had to really draw the line again talking about boundaries here is you had brought home some wild rabbits or uh, one or two of them and i thought i had stepped on one oh, um, yeah. 
And <laughs> I remember that you freaked I out because you thought you stepped on and killed it. Apart because oh. I heard something go crunch or something. As <laughs> I think it was the nails on the, the oh. whatever. But I, I, I said I can't. That. And it just started out underneath my. They were uh, loose because right. they were getting some exercise, right. and you went in there for some reason. Right. So you thought was, you stepped on one of them, right. like it ran under your foot or something. Yeah. Right. And I remember you kind of freaked out about it. I did. That. I did. I thought I'd killed a rabbit. <laughs> but that's something that that spouses have to be prepared for, right? Yeah. If they have soft-hearted mm-hmm. veterinary uh, spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends that right. they live with, that right. they're going to have some unusual creatures. But we have taken advantage of that. I mean, you've brought home the incubators from from work because you had a very sick bird and that. and. I saw that you were having some frustrations with having the incubator there, so I made you a platform. Yeah, that's true. To, you've, that, uh, you've been helpful. <laughs> right? I'm trying to be helpful. <laughs> in but, in uh, uh, making the infirmary yeah, more lovable. Yeah, it is. I can't even count how many kittens we've raised. It's been many, many, many. Yeah, and yeah. you've bottle-fed a few, I think. Mm-hmm. The kids helped more than you did, but right. you did it every once in a while. But going back to your question about you know, what's it been like to have animals and that, I did. I grew up with a whole bunch of animals but most of my experience with animals with kids was were animals that are outdoors my peacocks and and ducks and chickens well that's because you were on a farm as a kid somewhat of a farm so it's different than in the house but we had a couple of animals that were in the house but i didn't really take care of them my mom did yeah and that's part of the thing. You don't really like to take care of them. Yeah, it's it's you don't it's mind them being there <laughs> as long as you don't have to do anything. Yeah, right. So what do you think you were the most surprised about? What shocked you about being married and like if you if you could tell a young married couple what what are gonna be the big the big shockers. The big shockers. <laughs> I mean wow. one of them would probably be kids and the way they change your life. I mean just in general with being married to a veterinarian or yeah, or just in general like you if you're trying to raise kids with two working parents well i think there's some unique challenges in that right yes i think well one of the things that you said early on is that i i want to have kids and and we need to balance the kids with work and that you weren't necessarily going to be a stay-at-home mom right because that's, that's not my personality right and you would not have been happy just being giving up your veterinary. Well, because profession. I I bought my hospital when I had a four year old and a baby, right? Basically, and so becoming a new owner of a practice with right. two very small children had its challenges for well, sure. I think in the early days when you were just starting out as a veterinarian, and I've been working for nearly. And lost count, 30 years, 30 plus years working in the technical realm as a as a project manager. And from one job to another, I've had several. And the particular job at the time required me to be on the road. I was flying to St. Louis and various other cities to take care of consulting type work. And I believe at that time we had our second child. And dealing with all the daycare and what have you, I had to make a decision that was, I guess you'd say, more holistic in that I couldn't have you working and taking care of the kids with me being on the road all the time. Yeah, it happened for a while, but we were able to do it. I looked at it from a standpoint, uh, it's a season. It was not going to be forever. 
it was that point in time I needed to be more on the home front. Okay. And what about, what about the money part of it? I know there's a lot of concern and um, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast about the money portion of the way veterinarians come out of school in debt and then trying to pay back that debt and also the low pay that we get compared to what we pay for our education and the concerns that we all have around money. Do you have any particular money advice for young couples? Because you're, you work in the more of the technology field, so your salaries have always been a little bit higher than most. But when we first got married, we didn't really have much. We, no. had, we had debt, and, mm-hmm. and we had to struggle, and it well, would have been easier had I had a higher-paying job and one that where I didn't have to work so many hours. So what would your advice be about money? Like, would you tell people to relax or live frugally, or what would be your money advice? I think you need to sit down and do some planning. I think one of the things that you and I talked about early on was that managing credit card debt. That uh, was something that that you struggled with. Yeah, credit cards are a big one. And so, because I was a poor vet student and had no right. money, and I was in debt, and so I did get myself right. into some credit card trouble. So you did get <laughs> twice. <laughs> not, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not, not as bad as some people do these days, no, but, but enough that I was like, oh, I've got a credit card balance that I can't pay off, and right, you know, that's a struggle, and that gets so you into big trouble. We went through that, and we had that conversation. I had a bit of a business background too. And that's not to say having one, having a business background or not, I think there's some basic financial understanding that you need to have uh, just to know how to handle the basics, so to speak. Well, and communicating what's coming in and what's going out. So I, when I, budgeting, right. So from a personal standpoint, when I, it was before you and I were married, I, essentially sat down and said, okay, this is what I'm bringing in and I want to have so much for savings and this is what the bills are. And am I living in a, in a place that can afford the, uh, the possibility of doing, you know, saving some money along the way. So I sought to try to balance the expenses that you have plus the savings and looking at you know, opportunities to, to grow in my career and so I think a lot of that set you and I up for having a bigger conversation where we were both working. And so we had two incomes, but we still had to figure out. I know when we bought our first house, we went through and did the math and figured out what we could afford and where we wanted to live. You know, we, we figured out where we wanted to live. And that meant that the house that we got was not not exactly the house that we wanted. <laughs> That's you know? an understatement. Remember? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, our first house yeah, was pretty right. pretty scary when so we bought it. It had some. Well, it can oh, be yeah. another podcast, but <laughs> but yeah, um, um, home improvements. Right, yeah. right. But when you live in is, a money pit or something, yeah. It, but at that point in time, it was more important to to be uh, in a place where it was halfway between where we worked. Well, I just, I think that the big message, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think the big message is just trying to live within your means. I mean, the reason that we bought the money pit house 
was because it was in a good neighborhood, mm -hmm. but the price was better because it was such a mess well, and nobody wanted it. That's so what happens when you buy a rental house. We had to get house. in there and get a little elbow grease yeah. and we had a lot of work to do in it, but but for us, it turned out to oh, be a good move. And absolutely. I think sometimes people get discouraged because they've got all this debt and they feel like they're never going to get out of it. And, you know, I just want the message to be that, yeah, you, you if you work hard and right. you're careful, because we were pretty careful that you can work your way out of it. I think the important thing is, is, is sometimes people feel isolated. I've got all this debt and whether it's like they're the only ones, the credit yeah. cards or student loans or whatever. And I think the important thing is, is to find some people that you trust that you can then sit down and, and go through and look at what your options are. Because just because you go to a credit union or a bank or whatever, that does not necessarily mean that they're going to give you the best advice on what to do. Well, absolutely, because they're trying to sell their products. Right. They want it. They want you to take out a loan because well, they make money on you, those things. So you got to be careful. Sometimes you make the assumption that it you know, just because it's a credit union or a bank or the people that they're there that they're going to make the best decision, uh, you know, for your interest, and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, case in point, and I'll just because you have a a low payment uh, for a particular loan or a higher payment. Uh, you got to do the research on interest rates and how long it's going to be. I think for a person who has a, a, a student debt, knowing payment that you're going to make on a month to month basis, as opposed to having it variable, um, in my opinion, is a better way to forecast and budget your finances as opposed to having something that's going to float. Right. And, and buying the hospital, that was a scary time too. Mm -hmm. You know, when I bought my hospital, you have to go into debt for that, and that's another whole scary thing. But we did the analysis on it. We right. did the work and did the, the calculations. Right. And, again, you got to look at the tax consequences there, uh, what what's advantageous and or, or otherwise, and figure out what you want to live with. Yeah, and being an owner, I think even though that is a hard decision um, for many vets to make, um, for me, it was absolutely the right thing to do because I was in control of right. what I wanted to do. And with our kids, I could take time off if I needed to. And it was absolutely the right thing for me and with my personality. In many ways. Yeah. There, in many it was ways. probably harder on you because well, you ended up a lot of times down there doing yard work or <laughs> computer work. or you know, It was a lot of family about, time about, at the hospital. All but, about uh, balance yeah. and flexibility yeah. and patience. That's, those are some of the best things you know, yeah. about, mm -hmm. about doing that. All right. Well, I just want to ask a couple more questions, and I want to do this again because I think that this is useful to people, and I think you know, we could go on and on for hours, but um, there's a lot of things we could talk about sure. that I think would help other people. So do you think, um, well, let's, let's ask this. Do you have any like favorite crazy client stories or stories that I've heard from you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. There are many drawing a blank right at the, <laughs> you don't have <laughs> at one that moment. pops into mind. All right. Well, maybe we'll do a whole podcast okay. about crazy right. client we, we stories. We may have to do that. That'll be another, that another good one. Yeah. So, um, let's do one more question because I think we have a little bit more time. Let's say, let's say what three things do you think are the most important for trying to build a good relationship when dealing with 
a marriage or specifically a marriage with a veterinarian? Like what three key three things would you say? I think, I think money, what we just talked about is probably kind of important. Don't you? I think the money angle is there. I, I think one of the things, and I've heard this for many years, do something that you enjoy doing. Many times I talk with the peers that I work with and the ones that are the happiest are doing what they enjoy doing. So hopefully if you've picked a veterinary career and that's what you want to go into and and you've researched it, that's something that you're going to be happy doing. All right. That just brought a question to my mind, which I think might be a better way to go with this. What do you do with the emotions? Because I talk to so many veterinarians and I read so much um, on social media with these veterinarians that are super that are struggling so much with the emotions that come from our profession, with the euthanasia situation, and the clients getting angry at us on the internet. Mm-hmm. How do you, as the spouse, deal with all that emotional baggage that comes home well, with that's the a veterinarian? That's a that's, that's a, a great, great big, thing to talk big about. Thing. It is right, and well, I'm a feeler, so yes. I'm. I'm very emotional. Well, and you're a thinker. So how right. do you deal with all that emotion and not let it not let it ruin the relationship and not let it ruin your spouse who's dealing with all these emotions? How do you support them? Well, I think both of us when we started out while we didn't while we weren't equipped with the knowledge that we have today as far as personality types and and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that has helped us is that we've remained engaged and have strived over the over the years to grow um, individually as 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 people, but we've also made a concerted effort to to grow together, and that means that there's compromise, there's patience, and different things. And I think one of the things from a communication standpoint that we learned. I mean, I remember the time when we were first married. Believe it or not, um, I I guess I didn't do the, the laundry correctly. And No, we're not talking about that. <laughs> okay. No. Um, Talk about a different I, story. I'm asking you how you deal with the emotions. Well, some, well, okay. How do you deal with the veterinary emotions that come home? That's what I'm asking you. Got it. Does it have anything to do with the laundry? <laughs> Dealing with the emotions that I've encountered with you, one of the things that I have learned is is figure out what mode that I need to be in. And in the case where there's been a challenging day, where like a case goes bad, right, or bad. I make a mistake and I come home and I'm beating myself up right. because you know a patient didn't do well or a client got angry at me. How do you deal with all that? I think you just got to be a good listener. In um, particularly, who is you got to ask the question? Who's talking? Uh, guys tend to want to solve the problem. Uh, this is how I would do it. Da, 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 and you know, you just need to to you know. Sometimes, right. yeah. If they're but well, I you're think, a thinker, so you do want to solve problems, right? So what I've, from my personal standpoint, that what I've learned is, is I've had to to learn to ask the question: Are you wanting me to listen? and be uh, a sounding board and absorb what it is that that you're saying? Or do you need me to be in solution mode? 
so that when I take in all the information that you want to give me, do you want me to help solve a problem? Well, I think I, yeah, I think that's true. I think having someone that will listen to you and let you get it all out, I think that's really important to unload it and get it out of your brain so you can look at it logically and to have somebody logically go through it. Because in our profession, a lot of it's hindsight. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can make a, you-, you can make a diagnosis one day and then the next day you find out it's something else. And is that second guessing things or, or well what? yeah I mean it's hindsight so a lot of us when we make a mistake we later find out that we made a mistake and then going back into the past and trying to deal with that you know beating yourself up kind of thing in the emotion that comes along with that or just sometimes even the sadness that we have to deal with because I don't think everybody understands that veterinarians have so much emotion to deal with. We take all on the, on the client's emotion and then we take on all of the, you know, pet. We feel that pet emotion because we're all such animal lovers. And then the employees that work with us or the, you know, colleagues and we take on all of their stuff. And then a lot of times we have a tendency to bring it home and that's what causes our stress and right. causes us to lash out sometimes at our significant others or our children. Right. And so I think part of it, at least I don't want to speak for you, but I think part of being a spouse of somebody that deals with this much emotion on a daily basis is being able to handle it without taking it personally and understanding right. that how difficult it can be to be in our shoes. Well, I have been with you or in close proximity to where you've had to deal with difficult clients and difficult patients. Yeah, you've I, been on the phone yeah, sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm, boy, <laughs> You've been on about, the other end of yeah, the phone when somebody's I, screaming at me. Absolutely. Or, I'm trying to but, diffuse that. And, and, and you as well with uh, some uh, difficult uh, people that I've had to deal with. So yeah. we've we've heard both sides of the of the phone and the conversations along the way. Not that uh, that's compromising any, any personal information, but I think... When I'm listening to you and you're having a particularly bad day, I think after 30 years, I can sense, you know, minutes of a particularly a bad, bad day. day. Uh, there are times where you just need to to process information and, and not talking may be a part of it. Yeah, that's true. It's and just understanding what's, I, what's going on for and, the other person. And, and in time and when it's appropriate, uh, wait in and explore the nuances of, of what has happened. Well, and I think just the idea that tomorrow is another day and trying not to focus on all the negativity, you know, because that's what we want to do is we want to, we have 18 good cases and one bad one. Right. And what do we come home with? The bad one. Mm-hmm. Not, I saw six puppies and they were so cute and, you know, all the things that, that we should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And we want to focus on the one mistake that we made. And I think encouraging people to, to let that go and realize that that's all part of the deal of being a veterinarian and working in this field and that life is going to be hard. Right. Some of the time you're going to have home life and right. your work life. And just like in, in what I do, there's things that you're going to have direct control over and other things. It's just outside of the three foot it's out of your hands. Yeah, it's out of your yeah. three foot reach. And yeah, we see that a lot with the money. If people don't have the money to take care of their pets, then we take it. Right. We feel guilty about it, which we really shouldn't, because it's it's not our 
It's not our problem. Well, but veterinarians tend to be very compassionate and right. loving, and they want to do what's right for the pet. And then they have a situation where, in this case, finances come into yeah. play. And yeah. what can you do? And it's okay to feel bad and sad about that. But I think that the the trick is being able to let it go and move on to the next good thing. So you can continue to help people and it right. doesn't take you down. Right. All right. Well, I don't know if that's exactly where we wanted to go today, but I, I think, think we got through good. a few things. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> so we can do this again. We okay. can talk again because I think there's a lot more things we can talk about, about raising children and working. And because a lot of people have guilt around that is raising their their well, babies with a working mom, with two working parents. Maybe what we could do is is talk about different seasons in people's lives and, and yeah. striking a harmony uh, within those type of yeah. uh, periods. All right. Well, we'll come back to this on another podcast because we don't want to go too long. Okay. But I really appreciate you doing this. You're welcome. And I appreciate you putting up with me <laughs> for 30 years <laughs> and being the spouse of a veterinarian. I think it's a great hey, life, let's, it's even called, though it has its bad days. It's for called sure. a journey. That's right. <laughs> right. We're on a journey. All right. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have any comments or you want to ask any questions, you can send me an email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, or you can contact me via Facebook. I have my personal Facebook account. I think you can send me a message on that. Or I have the, vet, the Veterinary Life, which is where I post my blogs. So send me an email. Contact me if you want to talk. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening today. And I will talk to you next week.